Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Amen. Hi, everybody. How are you doing today? It is. How are you doing today? Yes, it's so good to be with all of you, all of you, of course, in the room, those of you online, watching on the live stream, listening to the podcast. We're so glad all of you are here. What a week, right? What a week we just all went through. Um, 2020 election did not disappoint in the year 2020, right? Like, it is like just par for the course, quite crazy and different and probably stressful for some of us. But I will say this, that the most important thing, a lot's changed in the last seven days since we last gathered, but the thing, probably the most important thing is exactly the same. Um, You know, what was true seven days ago was also true seven months ago before uh, coronavirus started and seven years ago before we even knew any of this was coming. And it'll be true seven years from now too. And that is that Jesus is our hope, amen? And I really believe that, and I believe that Christians all over uh, the world need to believe that more than ever. And so I hope you understand that that's what we declare today, that's what we stand on, and I'm so excited. And I I just know that worship has been really good for me today, just kind of readied my heart for his word. Are you guys ready to get into the word today and just allow God to speak to us through his scriptures? Are you guys okay with that? You wanna do this? Let's do this. I need a little bit of energy from you today because uh, I just feel like it's one of those days. You know what I'm saying? We're going to be in Mark chapter 9. We're going to be talking about the way of life that Jesus came to bring. And as we talk about the way of life that Jesus came to bring, it starts to shape our way of life and the way that we ought to live. And so we're going to be in Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 14, all the way through verse 29. So a little bit of a little bit of a story here. But right before I get into this, we see Jesus, Peter, James, and John, they go up on a mountain to pray, which Jesus often did. And when he comes down, he's going to catch up with the rest of the disciples. And when he does, this is the story that unfolds. Here we go. Verse number 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder. Everyone say wonder. Wonder. And they ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. So, of course, he's meaning that his son has been possessed by a demon. Verse 18, whenever it, meaning the demon, seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Jesus says, You unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. It's unclear who Jesus is speaking to in this moment. I don't know if he's speaking to the disciples or if he's speaking to the crowd or if maybe even speaking to the father. Perhaps he's speaking to all of them. And then verse 28, so they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. So the demon sees Jesus and he takes one last shot to try and hurt the boy. You know what I mean? This is like his last stand. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, oh, excuse me, I just skipped ahead, verse 21. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said. 
Everything is possible for the one who believes. So I want everyone to say, everything is possible. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. He said, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed in him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, I think he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors... His disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. So I've taught from this passage a few different times before, but I, I want to teach on something that I feel like I maybe haven't ever taught on before and definitely haven't noticed quite as much about this passage. But before I even get to that thought, I want to notice a few really incredible things about this story. First of all, we notice that Jesus had an incredible power in this story, right? The demon, the, the, the enemy had no, was no match for him. He's, not, he's got no power. He's powerless compared to Jesus. And we read in J James, of course, that the demons, they, they believe believe in Jesus and in his presence, they tremble. How many of y'all are grateful that we have a Jesus in our life who can crush the enemy? Anybody with me on that? So that's good news. Secondly, we can't miss the father's statement, right? The father of the, of the boy, he says, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. One of the most relatable sentences in the entire Bible, right? It's one that we all, we all sort of understand, we resonate with, because who in here is a person of faith that needs more faith? Anyone with me? right? We're people of faith that want more faith. And listen, Jesus wants to remove our doubt. He wants to increase our faith. That doesn't mean like we sang just a moment ago, he does understand our doubt. He does understand when we lack faith. He has compassion and love for us, but his goal is to remove those doubts and replace it with faith. So don't ever be confused about what this story is about. This story is not about okay, this father has doubt and I wanna just go ahead and give him what he needs. I love the fact that the father came to Jesus and he had, he, it wasn't that he lacked faith. Who did he come to for help? He came to Jesus. Jesus was his hope and he said, hey, I, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. And sometimes we think this story is about Jesus just giving the father more even in the midst of his doubt. But in fact, what we really need to see here is this guy, he comes to Jesus and he basically said, I believe, but I want more belief. I love you, but I want to love you more. I'm hungry and thirsty, but I want more hunger and thirst. You see, he's saying, I already am at this level, but I want to get to this level. Are you with me? Yeah. And see, sometimes we think it's something different. We think that we can marry doubts and beliefs like they're friends. They aren't. Yeah. They aren't, they aren't friends. And Jesus wants to do something in us. So that's the, that's the second thing that we kind of notice about the story that I'm not even going to talk about, but it's really good. The third thing that I want us to notice is the disciples couldn't do the miracle. The dad was like, I brought my son to your team, you know, your ministry staff, your disciples, those guys, and they weren't able to help my son. They couldn't cast out the demon. Later, the disciples, after Jesus goes inside from doing all this, they were like, what happened? We couldn't do it, but you could. And he answers them with this really famous line where he says, yeah, 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 only, some things can only happen by prayer. Duh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, which gets us, we will get to the prayer thing in a moment because that's pretty significant. But this experience with the disciples kind of 
brings something up for us that I want to talk about for a few minutes. You see, sometimes we are really close, yet we still feel really far. You know what I'm talking about? We can feel or we can actually be really close, yet we can still feel far away. Everyone say, so close yet so far away. Good job. That's the title of today's message. And the disciples were so close to Jesus in this story, yet they still experienced some sort of distance. Yet They felt so far away from the power of God in this moment. They had been around Jesus, but they still didn't possess the thing that Jesus had. And this was probably frustrating to them. They weren't able to access the same power. And I wonder how many of us have felt like that in our life before. That we've said, I feel really like I'm doing all the right things, but I still feel far away. I'm going to church, I'm, I'm singing the songs, I'm trying to give, I'm even trying to serve, yet I still feel this unrest in my soul that feels sort of this distance. And so what is the magic, you know, kind of formula that I'm supposed to come up with in order to actually feel the power of God in my life? And so we feel like I'm close in proximity, yet I'm far in my heart. Are you all with me today? So, you know, after the ice storm of 2020, <laughs> a couple weeks ago, our family had no power for nine days. And I know some of you had no power for much longer. Maybe some of you still don't have power. And I'm, I'm sorry, because I know that's very frustrating. But the day before our power came back on, our neighbors across the street got their power back on. Like literally, we're standing in our yard and we're looking across feet away to the porch light on, just taunting us. We're like, we hate porch lights now. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the family was inside just like having a great time, well-lit homes. It was like a Hallmark movie. They were pulling dinner out of the oven. <laughs> you know what I mean? They were like taunting us with their televisions and their, you know, phone chargers. And they're like, oh, life is so great. And we're just like sitting on our side of the street, completely powerless. Sometimes you are very close to the power source, yet you are still far away. Are you with me? And this, is, this, is, this had to be true for the disciples, right? The disciples were experiencing, they were basically standing on the other side of the street. They could see power at work. They could even feel the heat radiating towards them. Yet they stood there powerless to do anything about it. I don't know about you, but I see this sort of stuff all the time. You know, when people get really close to something, but it's not quite close enough. It's like, yeah, like you go to, out to eat, you know, and it's a restaurant. You're like, yeah, it's pretty good, but it's not worth going back to. Close, but not close enough. You know what I'm talking about? That happens in life. It's, a, it's the old man saying, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, which I think is like the greatest line ever. Uh, I remember in the early, early days of our church, we were, looking, we were looking for a church building. And I used to say things like, we have to be on 23rd. If we're off 23rd Street by an inch, we're off by a mile. See, I didn't want to be close to what I thought the calling was. I wanted to be smack dab in the middle of the calling because sometimes close isn't enough. And so sometimes you have to go all in, right? There has to be some sort of moment in which you realize, like, I'm not just trying to be around Jesus. I'm trying to actually possess the things of Jesus. Anyone feeling this today? Yeah. I shared this story before, but I'll never forget when Addie was like four years old. 
We were driving down the road, just me and her, and she decided to drop some four-year-old knowledge on me. And she said, hey, dad, did you know that, did you know that trees are made of paper? And I was like, uh, close. Paper is made from trees. She goes, no, 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 no. Trees are made of paper. And I was like, you know, you're very close to the truth, but you're incredibly wrong right now. And sometimes close just, I mean, close is not even like it's in another world, even though it's close. The other night we were having dinner and Grayson and uh, we were talking about food, you know, as families often do right before you eat dinner. And Grayson brings up this kind of thought. He says, you know what? You know what? I want to, I want to, I'm going to do a speed. And we were like, what? He said, I, I, yeah, I want to do a, I'm going to do a speed. And how many of you guys know that moms have this incredible ability to interpret kid language? Like, I have no idea what he's saying, but, but Christy can always interpret what a kid is trying to say. It starts at a very young age when they say something like, I want a blah, blah. And you're thinking, oh, does he mean blanket? She's like, no, he wants to go outside and play on the trampoline. And you're like, what just happened? You know, moms are like, they say, I want num num, but we all know what that one means. Sorry, I don't know why they said that. Christy understands kid language is my point, and even at seven years old. And Grayson, he said, she said, Grayson, you said you want, to do a, you want to do a speed. Are you trying to say you want to do a fast? And he goes, no, 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 I want to, I want to, I want to do a speed. You know when you don't eat for like five days? <laughs> ah, okay, so you're, you're really close, speed and fast. Yeah, similar words, but very different. How many of you guys know that if someone says, hey, I'm going to do a fast, is very different than saying, I'm going to go do speed? close man it's not always the right thing it could be way off can we just talk for a moment about the spiritual giant of my child who wants to do a five-day fast at seven years old i'm just saying christy and i christy and i are figuring some things out as parents i mean we're on the fourth kid it takes a little while but we're getting there so the disciples are close but they seem to lack something that enabled them to do what Jesus did. Lotus in verse 28, I'll go back to it. I read this, but it says, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, oh, this kind can only come out by prayer. And then I I also add in there, and fasting. Now, some some translations say just by prayer. Some translations say by, by prayer and fasting. So depending which Bible you're reading, you'll see that. And, you know, translators may also call it prayer and speeding, by the way, but that's just another point. Um, so, but I relate with the disciples here. So many of us experience spiritual doubt. We experience distance and we experience failure like these disciples had in this instance. And we think I'm close, but I, I still feel far away. Now, I want to show us something that I think will be really helpful to those of us today uh, when it comes to this kind of reality of feeling close but yet far away. I'll show you this image. Uh, this Dutch theologian, his name, his name is Abraham uh, Kuyper, wrote this, wrote about that there's, there's similarity between the structure of our individual life and the structure of the Old Testament temple, if you know much about that and kind of the Old Testament in the Old Testament temple, it was divided into three compartments that look sort of like what you see on screen here. And there was an outer court. There was an outer court 
where everyone had access to the outer court. Anybody could go to the outer court. Everyone could visit that court in the, in the temple. And in the same way, you have an outer court in your life in which everyone has access to that part of you. It may be here at church. It may be at, at, if you go to school or at work or even on your Instagram or on your Facebook or whatever it is. Like everybody kind of knows who you are on the peripheral, right? Like the outer court of your own life. Everyone have, has access to that. And then in, in the temple, though, there's, a, there's an inner court. And, 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 and the inner court is also called, it's, it's also called the holy place in the scriptures. But not everyone could come into that court in the scriptures. Like it was really only people who were of Jewish faith that were allowed in that court. Now there's a little bit more detail that, I, that I'm just going to kind of keep in a, in a simple, simple kind of graph here. But there was an inner court. And just like in your life, you have an inner court that maybe it's your inner circle where you're like, only certain people get access to me at this level. And you actually decide who comes into that space. It's probably your close friends, your close family, and they know you better than anybody in the outer court. Are you all with me? And see, also inside the, in, in the temple, in the Old Testament temple, inside the inner court was the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies was only accessed, of course, this was where the presence of God resided within, within the temple. And it was only accessed by one person, the chief priest. And in the same way, in your life, you have a holy of holies. That is where God's presence resides if you've confessed Jesus as Lord. And there's only one person that has access to that. And it happens to be you. And you only have access to that because even though you have people that you love deeply, like maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's your children, believe it or not, as close as they, there might be in the inner court, there may be layers, maybe ABC layers, but no one's getting into the holy of holies. Doesn't matter how close they are to you. Because there's some things that can't just be said with words or understood with the human mind. And the only person that understands you at this level is your creator. And inside the Holy of Holies is this space that we are supposed to go and commune with the Father. That we're supposed to get into to understand what we can tap into. And here's what we should notice. Is if you and I are not nurturing the most inward parts of who we are we will begin to lose touch with the very thing that we claim we care about the most. Maybe I can say it this way. <laughs> if the holy of holies of my own life lacks authentic intimacy, then there's no way my outer life can, de can demonstrate a life of power. Let me just say that one more time. If in the holy of holies of my own life there lacks an authentic intimacy, then there's no way my outer life can demonstrate a life of power. There's no way that I can have a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. And if we, if we, find, ourselves living, if we find ourselves living this way, it'll essentially be like we're on the other side of the street, knowing where the power is, feeling close to it, but also feeling so far away. Really close to the power source, but the lights are out where we're living. I've had times in my life where I've tried to fake it in the outer courts as if the inner court was just good, all good, right? And so in the outer courts, I, I tried to act like my inner life was good, but the truth was I was just faking it, trying to get through. I've seen friends deal with this. I've sensed a lot of other people deal with this where we try and really make it work in the outer courts, but the inner court, and especially the holy of holies, is an absolute... It's an absolute mess. The strange thing about this is when we struggle internally, we actually, 
we actually don't go, okay, I need to deal with this and run deeper. We actually run to the outer courts to find the life that we're seeking, the meaning, the truth, the answers. We go to the outer court to try and find those things. And our way of life, we'll seek life, truth, help from the outer court more than we will the Holy of Holies. And we start to allow peripheral issues, catch this, we start to allow peripheral issues to be elevated in importance and we talk about the surface levels as if they are the core issues. Essentially, we avoid the core and we wrongly place our meaning in the outer core. Our lives are colored by the outer court and our opinions and what we believe because opinions of other people are what pressures us, media pressures us, politics and other things become sort of the, the focus of our mind and our heart. And it's all dictated by the outer court. And slowly the outer court becomes more important to us than the holy of holies. Now I'm not trying to get into some secular sort of uh, cultural commentary, but isn't this the way of the world right now? I mean, if you just really tried to peel the layer back and just kind of try to peer into this mindset of what I'm talking about, you start to see everything more clearly. Our lives are shaped from the outside in instead of the inside out. When the disciples said, why couldn't we do what you did, Jesus? <laughs> he says something very intentional, very purposeful that we just think it's Jesus talk, but I think he's actually trying to show us a way of life. And he says, you know what? Some things can only happen by prayer. He was pointing to disciples, the disciples to a way of life. They just weren't latching on yet. They, were depending, they weren't depending on a life from the inside out. They were actually hoping to demonstrate outer court's power without depending on inner holy of holies dependence. It can be inferred from his comment when he said this to them that they must not have been praying. It can be inferred that they must not have been depending on the holy of holies. It can be inferred that they must have been depending more on the outer court, the crowds that were gathering around them. They were trying to feed off the spiritual energy that someone else was doing and they weren't doing. How many of us do that? Yeah. Oh, my church is great. Yeah, but are you great? <laughs> Worship is fire, but you, are you fire? There's nothing that can replace white hot passion in the life of a follower of Jesus. Nothing. And if we continue to think that the church is great because the church as an organization is great or the church fails because the church as an organization fails, we are continuing to pen on the outer court instead of looking deep within our own heart where only God has access into who we are and the holy of holies within us. So if we start to judge the church or the culture or anything by anything other than how we are doing in our own life and are we having a passion for the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ as the premiered authority in our life? Well, we are just, we're just, we've got it flipped backwards. We're talking about the outside in instead of the inside out. Very close words, by the way. Every letter in the outside in and the inside out is exactly the same. It's just very different, isn't it? So close yet so far. Jesus clearly modeled prayer to his disciples so briefly, I want to show you seven examples of Jesus praying in the Gospels. And when you notice what he prays for, I want you to notice how consistent it is with our everyday life. Jesus isn't like praying things that aren't things that we should be praying for. Like he doesn't have some sort of 
elevated status in the sense of, oh, these things are the things that Jesus prays for while we pray for these lowly things. Listen to what he prays for. Number one, Jesus prayed when, he, when his life was busy. Luke 5, 15, I don't have the scriptures on screen, so I'll just read them to you, but the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to him to be healed. And so there's crowds coming to Jesus, right? But he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So even though his life was getting kind of cranking up and getting busy, he didn't, with, he didn't neglect prayer. Number two, Jesus prayed about important decisions. In Luke 6, 12, when it's time to select his disciples, pretty important decision, wouldn't you say? Who am I going to hire? Who's going to be the people that I surround myself with? He's like trying to select. This is important decisions. And he seeks the Holy Spirit's guidance. It says, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, spent the night praying, spent the night <laughs> praying. That's a long prayer. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose his 12. Number three, Jesus prayed when he was, when he was sad. That's kind of like, okay, Matthew 14, 13, Jesus withdraws to pray when he heard about the execution of John the Baptist, his close friend. Number four, Jesus prayed for his work. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35 through 38, one morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left his house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. When Simon Peter, it's a couple of verses later, when Simon Peter comes to him and says, hey, we got to get going. The people are looking for you. He says, well, let's go somewhere to a nearby village so I can preach there also, because this is why I came. This is the work I came to do. So before he ever even went to work, he was praying. Number five, Jesus prayed for his friend's needs. Luke twenty two thirty one 31 says, he told Simon Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon. Number six, Jesus prayed when he faced problems and fears. In Luke 22, we see Jesus about to go to the cross. I would say that's a problem, and he's probably a little afraid because he's a human, not just as much as he is God, and he prays. It says this. He says, as usual, which I love that statement, Jesus, as usual, went to the Mount of Olives to pray. As usual, right? And when he went with them, he said, pray that you don't fall into temptation. That's what he's telling his disciples, and then he goes a stone's throw away from him, and he prays, and he says, Father, if you'll, if you'll let this cup pass, would you, please let, would you please do it? But if not, your will be done, not mine. And then number seven, Jesus prayed, and impossible things happened. In Luke 9, 29, right before the story, what I was just talking about, he was on a mountainside praying with Peter, James, and John, and it was a moment of transfiguration, but it says, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, his clothes became bright, as a flash of lightning, so like there was transformation always happening in his prayer. But here's, here's what I want you to, to understand is when Jesus prayed, he prayed so he could live from the inside out. Jesus had a reservoir within him that when the moments came in which he needed to let God out into a particular situation, God was there ready to go. You know what I mean? The spirit was resting in Jesus in such a way and had been built up like a living fountain that it gushed out at the moments that it needed to gush out. So we talk about prayer quite a bit around here. Um, and I'm not talking about prayer because uh, I want to create any sort of spiritual guilt for us that aren't praying all that well in life. It's not about spiritual guilt at all. But I also I want to show you what Jesus taught us about, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Why couldn't we do what you did, Jesus? He's like, something's going to only happen by prayer. 
Some things can only happen by just committing to the Holy of Holies. Quit living in the outer court and get inside and get into the place where me and you commune to where I can build up a reservoir within you. So my intent is not to, not to, 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 to spread spiritual guilt for those of us who pray and don't pray all that well. My intent is, is, is really more about spiritual truth. This is about spiritual truth, is it not? Because prayer is always the pathway to his presence. Prayer is the doorway to the power of God. You see, when we don't pray, when we don't pray, we become a person with beliefs but no convictions. You see, when we don't pray, we become a person of religion with no relationship. You see, when we don't pray, we become a person of practices with no power. You see, when we don't pray, we become a person who may be willing but lacks the want to. Just because you're willing to serve, that's not enough. We need to want to serve. And that comes from prayer. That comes from intimacy with the Father. So if you want to see the fullness of life that Jesus promises us to bring us, I'm telling you, it can't happen any other way without starting with prayer. If you don't know how to pray, I would say start asking questions. If you don't know how to pray, I'd say go get in a group of other believers and say, will you teach me? I want to learn how to pray. If you don't know how to pray, I'd say just start praying. Just try, start somewhere. If you pray zero minutes a day, start praying five minutes a day. If you pray five minutes a day, start praying 10 or 15 minutes a day. If you don't pray all that much, maybe you should try getting into a prayer room, using a prayer guide, reading a book on prayer. Listen, you have one life to live, and no one's responsible for it for you. You understand it? It's not, the outer courts aren't going to tell you to go pray. They're not going to tell you to go pray. They're going to tell you to start worrying about their things. You see, Jesus, when he prayed, he prayed. <laughs> we can just pray like Jesus did, by the way. He prayed about decisions he was making. He prayed about his work. He prayed about hard things he was going on in life, fears that he was facing, sadness. He prayed for his friends in need. He prayed for, he prayed for miracles to happen, of course. And he submitted his life every day. Before he got to work, he would pray which is a simple thing, probably the most important discipline of my life and of your life ought to be starting our day in prayer. That we would get up and before we look at the phone and check out the news and read social media and see who liked our post from last night and all that kind of stuff, that we would actually begin in prayer, maybe reading a psalm, reading scripture. And I'll be the first to admit, I'm not always the best at starting my day that way. I can get distracted just like the rest of us, but I know where, I know where life begins. And I have to pull myself back to that. Jesus showed us that when he prayed, that some things only come from the inside out. So this isn't a try harder spirituality. I talked about that a few weeks ago. This isn't a guilt trip. This is an encouragement um, to let Jesus help you. To let Jesus help you with, with the things in your life that we're trying under our own strength to, to make happen. Begin to pay attention to the inside instead of just the outside. We work really hard on the outside, by the way. Most of us spend a lot of energy on the outside, all the while ignoring the Holy of Holies. Because we want to look good to those in the outside courts more than we want to look good to the Father. Well, I'm about to close. Let me ask you a couple things today. First of all, do you resonate with the Father in this story? A lot of us do. He said, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. And I would just say if that's something you resonate with, 
Maybe you're struggling in some sort of doubt, some sort of struggle. I truly believe that Jesus understands. And I want to encourage you as well um, that the father in this story, right? He asked Jesus to remove his unbelief. He asked Jesus to remove his doubt for his faith to be increased. And, and you know, when we worship today, I ask you to write something down that you needed more faith for. And in this heart and in this light, maybe it's, it's, it's simply that. God, I have faith. God, I believe. But will you help me have more? And maybe that's where you're at today. You know, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but I, I, wanna, I just want to make sure we catch this because doubts, doubts are an interesting thing in today's culture. They almost could be celebrated that we aren't willing to to stand firm in something that we're willing to kind of step, stand back and go, I don't know, I kind of have some doubts about some things. I'm still wrestling with that. I'm still kind of work my way through it. People like celebrate that. And there, there's, there's an understandable sort of process and journey that we should all take. But I mentioned this earlier. I, I just don't think, even in the church, I've seen like people putting doubts and beliefs together as if they're friends and they're just not. I have doubts in my life, but I, am, I wanna work through them so I can have more faith. And that's what Jesus wants to do in your life. He doesn't want you to have to worry and doubt. Some people doubt, am I, ever, am I going to heaven? I remember when I was 14 years old before I gave my life to Jesus, how doubt riddled my heart because I didn't really understand it all that much. And one of the questions was just, am I good with you, God? Have I done what I need to do? And I just remember kind of, sitting in that doubt because I was so afraid to just kind of take a step into some security, which was an absolute, the, the, the word is true. Those who confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their hearts that God raised them from the dead will be saved. Until I did that, I doubted. Until I did that, I doubted. And so that's not the only type of doubt we deal with. I know others deal with other doubts, but they're not friends. God wants to increase your faith. He wants to remove doubt. He wants to give you more faith because some things can only happen by prayer. And it's in prayer that we find that reservoir of more faith. Jesus wants to help you so you don't have to live a life standing on the powerless side of the street. We don't have to look across going, why don't I have it? They got it. Some of us relate to the father in the story, and I believe some of us relate to the disciples in the story. Close yet so far. And if I'm being just really transparent, like this week, I feel like the thing that got put in my heart even for my own life, and I believe it's gonna be something that is gonna connect with many of you, was just the spiritual renewal. Like, God, I wanna, I wanna live from the inside out, not the outside anymore outside in anymore. I want to live from the inside out. And it's going to take a spiritual renewal. And I just kind of pictured that there were so many of us in this room that are needing renewal in our life. We love the Father. We just need to love Him more. We've, 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 we've allowed 2020 to do exactly what it has done to so many people. It sucked the life out of us to where now we're just getting through and God wants to renew you. Psalm 51 says this, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Renew me, Father. Psalm 23, we know this verse. It says, he restores my soul. Another word for renewal, right? He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Jesus 
understands our fatigue. He understands our doubts. He understands our need, but he is here to replenish our souls. He's here to restore our souls and he's here to renew your spirit. He wants to give you more. So if you're close, but yet you feel so far today, here's the good news. You're actually close to him no matter how you feel. Remember God says over and over again, he says, I'm with you. I'm never gonna leave you or forsake you. I'm near. So you may not be feeling like he's close, but spiritual renewal isn't all that far away. He says, just tend to hear, just tend to your heart. Tend to the Holy of Holies, the place that only you and I commune together. There's a power source that's just a few steps away, but it does require a humble walk across the street. Your spiritual renewal is close. And I just want to say, it's, it's, it's not the try hard spiritual. It's not about getting all your spiritual disciplines in order, although spiritual disciplines are incredibly important. And I want to talk about those more at some point, but it begins with surrendering yourself to the work of the Spirit in your life. Because first of all, spiritual renewal is a work of the Spirit of God in you. It's not a work of self. It's not a work that you can do. It's only a work of God in you. So it's an invitation to say, come Holy Spirit into my life and do a work that only you can do. That's what renewal that's where it begins. So we're about to pray and we're gonna pray for a few things, but I wanna, I wanna say if you need renewal today that you would just get honest about it. If you need them, if you need to believe, maybe you believe, but you need some help with some unbelief that you'd be honest about those things as well. And I'm gonna pray for all of us. And then after we finish, I'm gonna invite anybody to come forward and pray because I believe today can be a marker for some of us to where we're like, you know what? I didn't come in here expecting transformation, but I wanna start with a hope that God can begin to change something in my life that I need changed. I'm hoping for renewal. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn the page and I'm gonna let there be a marker today by, by not only praying myself, but by being prayed over and, and allow, the, allow the, minister, the ministry of Jesus and his prayer ministry to kind of come over you today. And so we're gonna invite many of you to come forward and pray if you want to. But I wanna pray for all of us right now. So if you just bow your heads. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come right now. Would you begin to move in this room in a way that is tangible, that is, that is real. I just pray that your closeness, your nearness would be felt by those who maybe have been feeling far away. Right now, Holy Spirit, would you start to move in this room would you start to give courage? Would you start to release your love? Would you start to... I was just thinking, some of us need to just even remember right now that God has a great compassion for you. He has a great love for you. And because of that love, he wants to give you more. Maybe by way of responding, no one's looking around. How many of you resonate with being close, but this idea of feeling far away at the same time. Just lift your hand if you kind of resonate with that in your own personal life. Yeah. A couple more questions. How many of you resonate with desiring spiritual renewal? Just lift your hand. 
is good. And how many of you resonate with maybe the father in this story? I, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Just lift your hand. I'm just going to pray. Father, your word is true. Your word opens up our hearts. It's just like it says in Hebrews. It's like, it's like a, your word is like a double-edged sword that, that pierces through bone and marrow straight to the heart of who we are. And I pray right now, Father, that your Holy Spirit would draw people to what you're calling us to, that that it wouldn't just be a a good day, but that, Father, we would seek what you're trying to invite us into. So we do pray for more hunger and thirst and more love and more trust in the room. Would you you increase measures of faith for the things that we wrote down on our phones or on paper or the things that are in our hearts right now? We just pray your power over them, Father. Not that you would just, you know, magically make everything happen. We never want to pray that. We want to pray that, Father, in this, in this tension of us wanting to live with more faith, that, Father, as we exercise and increase our faith measures, that, Father, we would see you at work in our midst by doing the things that only you can do, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Maybe for just a moment, on the thing, for the thing for you, the thing that you resonated with most today, the, the thing you need prayer for, the thing that you feel like you you want spiritual renewal. I just want to give you just 30 seconds to say, Lord, I'm giving this to you today and I'm asking, I'm asking, give me more faith. 30 seconds, just pray that to the Father. God, we love you and we trust you. We give this to you today. And Lord, we pray in an attitude and a hope for more today. Because anytime there's more, that means more kingdom, more power. And we trust that that's what you want to do in this world and in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we leave, a couple couple things. One. If you're dealing with spiritual doubt about your own relationship with Jesus, you can give your life to Christ by confessing that Jesus is Lord, believing in your heart that Jesus raised, or that God raised Jesus from the dead. And it says you will be saved. And we'd love to talk with you more about that. Our prayer team will be down here. And we'd love to talk to you about what it means to give your life to Christ today. Secondly, there's two things specifically, and I kind of mentioned them, two things specifically that I want to invite people to come forward and pray for. And I do believe this is one of those days that some of us should probably, you know, hey, Step into this. This is a step of faith to see more faith, right? And, and maybe you should step into this and say, I, I really do want spiritual renewal in my life. If that's where you're at, then I would say allow, allow someone to join you in prayer. I, because I believe, you know, as we've seen ministry happen up here with prayer, I believe God's bringing about transformation through that ministry right now. And I just want to encourage you to step into it doesn't mean anything always happens. It just means it can be a marker for God to start a new work in you by taking this step of faith to, to say out loud what you need prayer for. And so maybe it's spiritual renewal today. I would encourage you to come forward. And then the second thing is if, if really you're kind of like in that situation of the Father, I believe, but help me with my unbelief, and you're like, I need the faith for something to happen in my life, and perhaps it's a miracle. I need faith for healing or help for provision or breakthrough or spiritual healing or whatever it may be. 
If you, if you have one of those sort of situations, I would say come forward and pray today. We'll be over here. You can line up if there's a, if there's a few people waiting and, and we'll pray with you before you leave. But there's no rush, no hurry, no shame, no guilt, any of that sort of stuff when we come and pray. It's all faith. It's all hope. So, good day today, right? God is good. Well, why don't we stand together? I'm going to pray for us as you guys leave. Thank you guys so much for being here. If you're new here, we'd love to meet you out at the information table. We'd love to pray with you for anything you have going on in your life right up here. So Father, we pray that Lord, as we, as we dismiss this time, that Lord, your, your work would continue over the next uh, bit of time here in this room and of course in our hearts over the next number of days. So Father, may we go pe be people who seek first the kingdom, that we tend to our inward most parts, that we tend to the holy of holies, and we live as people from the inside out instead of the outside in. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Love you guys. If you want prayer, right over here. See you. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.